0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Podcast. This is a podcast that is not only about RPGs but it also is one as well. And if you don't know how that is the case then you haven't been listening to our last nine episodes. This is episode 10 and I am one of your hosts Evan.
1: And I am your other host Will.
0: Will, how you doing? How you feeling? We've, we've gotten through nine of these already. We're on our 10th
1: that's exciting stuff. That is exciting. Yeah, I'm excited that we've we've made it this far and we have a long ways to go, I think. And it it would be nice, I think, to, to update people on the actual quest structure and how it works. Maybe we'll we'll do a very brief recap before we start our quests this week.
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, we we will also be updating our quest structure uh, fairly soon but we'll cross that bridge when we get there so will how has your week been how how's everything been going
1: it's been good it's still been really hot here which is weird because it's usually like snowing by this time of year but it's been like 80 degrees so that's weird but fall is here now and uh it's thanksgiving here in canada this weekend
0: well happy thanksgiving to you thank you and to all you canadians out there and I appreciate you, you know, finding the time to, to come together and and talk about RPGs on the podcast. Uh, sometimes I, sometimes I really just want to slip pod quests in there because it's just such a <laughs> great pun, you know.
1: Right. It's hard not to say it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But uh, that that that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear that, and I'm really curious to hear you talk about some of the things you've been playing this week. Uh, we've we've got a, a good lineup of, of of games for you i think but first things first was there any news that you wanted to uh go over with our our fine audience
1: uh, there were a couple pieces of news that i wanted to mention one that we were correct in our take on pokemon legends arceus not being fully open world though it sounds like we don't know exactly what it's gonna be but they confirmed that uh, it will not be fully open world. There will be like kind of a hub area and bigger areas that you'll go explore and then come back to the hub.
0: You know, I saw a couple of articles kind of toss this around, and I, I believe it was an official statement from Game Freak, uh, where they they don't say that it is open world, uh, but they also they don't say that it's not either. Uh, it's it's a very nebulous sort of a. Uh, Review of, of how the the system is going to work, but everything that they've described so far really does drive home this idea that this is large areas that you're going to be able to explore, but it's not necessarily uh, going to have that non-linear structure, which I think is probably is so because of Game Freak's own sorts of sensibilities when it comes to narrative. I mean all Pokemon games have really had a a sort of of linearity to them. I think really one of the only games that was sort of non-linear in structure was uh, Red and Blue, because there were a couple of different places that you could go. Um, But it doesn't surprise me uh, to get a sort of confirmation of this. I mean, of course it doesn't surprise me, because last week we talked about it, right? And so you know, I, I've heard a lot of people in in comments on these sorts of articles, first off, whining and complaining, which I think to expect Game Freak to go from something that was extremely linear, like Pokemon Sword and Shield, and then bounce right over to something very freeform and open world was a little bit unrealistic. But then I've also heard, you know, some people say things along the lines of, well, this is because Game Freak doesn't take a, a whole lot of risks with with their design. And then I've also heard the the last sort of comment, which is that a lot of people think because of the way that they're describing the structure of the game, this is going to be a lot like Monster Hunter. And that's a, a sort of point of contention that that I have personally, and, and you kind of touched on it yourself. I, I don't really know if this is going to mimic the structure of anything else. But I, I will say, I think that there there will be a mission based structure to this. But I also do believe that you are going to have the opportunity to go out and roam and explore. Because I, I think that's, again, in the design of Pokemon, which is, you know, you can go from place to place, and you can challenge trainers. But there there is a A dedicated, you know, section of of any Pokemon game where you're just kind of exploring and catching Pokemon and maybe even raising your Pokemon by fighting uh, others. So I I do think that that's going to be a huge part. Um, And I don't know. I guess I'm I'm still tentatively excited. I think if they were to introduce anything about the structure, uh, such or in the vein of Monster Hunter stuff, where you did have a time limit uh, for how long you could explore, that's when I would get a little bit more cautious because that would show me they don't really trust the player all that much to go out and have fun by themselves, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that does. And I think, like, talking about examples of other things, like, in my head, like, I don't know what the game is, obviously. it's looks like exciting new territory, though. It seems like just kind of a evolution of that wild area from sword and shield and they want to take that a step further maybe or make a game where that's the basis of how the areas are so i think that's kind of what i'm expecting in my head
0: yeah i I definitely agree and i mean i think the 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 promise of the wild area in sword and shield was really exciting and i was i was very gung-ho for it but in execution, there just wasn't enough uh, interactive elements kind of out in the field, um, and I, I think that that is something that I would want to see happen a whole lot more uh, in in this game. Um, and I don't know exactly what that would look like, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that we do get to see sort of not necessarily you know de- destructible uh, you know elements, but just some sort of opportunities to engage with the world a little bit more, but that is also something that doesn't happen all that often in RPGs too, and that might be something that we talk about uh, in the future.
1: Oh, I like that idea, yeah.
0: But aside from Pokemon, and aside from us being so very right, gosh, we're so right, uh, There, there is another little bit of RPG-related news uh, that I think a lot of our listeners are, are probably aware of and that is that sora was announced as the final uh super smash brothers ultimate dlc character so will do you have any thoughts about this
1: i think he's a, a great fit for smash i think the game had a sora shaped hole in it that he has filled uh, there are of course a lot of other great characters that could have filled that slot but i think this this one makes sense and feels kind of right
0: i agree uh, I, you know i will say personally everything that i could have possibly wanted from a smash brothers game has been fulfilled with ultimate i really do feel that all of the characters that i've ever you know previously desired i'm a you know big big metroid fan so kind of right off the bat uh with ridley joining the cast i was like well there's (laughs) there's really nowhere else they can go that that is wish fulfillment for me um but you know i also was very happy to see arms representation because i'm a big fan of that game and then you know it was very exciting to have another uh, xenoblade character in there because i i love that series too but you know as as things kind of went on as we saw banjo um as we saw i don't know steve from from minecraft Mm -hmm. you know it it just got to this point where i was like what possible like what else could go into this game to what other character really could represent like uh, a a widely beloved uh you know series and while i will say i do think that all of or you know i shouldn't say all but both of these dlc packs i think had one too many Square Enix characters, in my opinion. I think that Sora is a great choice. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of fans of of Kingdom Hearts, and it's such a exciting addition to the game because it is. Uh, let me see if I can I can try to explain this in a way that I, I think I've heard other people talk about. Kingdom Hearts is the the fruits of these two crazy wild uh you know separate things disney and final fantasy coming together and having a crossover right Mm -hmm. um and that like that the idea of of crazy crazy things coming together and having a crossover is i think like the perfect way to end smash which itself is like the the craziest crossover Uh, in in a lot of ways. So I I found that very satisfying, even though I have no love for the character myself. I think that there's some really cool stuff that they've done with his design to make him play very similarly to to some of the games. And so I'm excited to get my hands on him. But I I guess this does bring up another uh, question, which is, have you ever engaged with Kingdom Hearts as a series?
1: I have engaged with Kingdom Hearts. I've played all of the like mainline games, like kingdom hearts one two and three and i feel i think i dabbled in in a couple other ones that were on the collections but didn't get far in those i was like i want to play the mainline games but there's just too many other things like i can't get into everything and also i don't understand how the series works beyond that Uh, but i think it's a really cool series and and it kind of goes to something we've talked about a bit on the show before which is it's kind of blend of Japanese and Western sensibilities and aesthetics, and I find that super interesting. Uh, it's really like kind of a mash of a Western and a JRPG, and and even like in terms of culturally, like you have like Final Fantasy characters and you have Disney characters that you know people all around the world have grown up with, and they're all just kind of like mashed together, and it's weird, and it I don't understand why it ever existed or does exist but it's really cool too
0: yeah and um i'm surprised to to hear that you do have such experience with it because i know you've previously said you don't have a whole lot of experience with action rpgs Mm -hmm. and i think kingdom hearts is such a unique action rpg in so many ways um and I, i don't know about how i feel about the the complexity of its combat uh, but I don't really think it's about complexity of combat. I think there's just so much that goes into the game that combat mechanics are, I don't know, I i think they've peaked in some ways, and, and a lot of people seem to agree that they peaked around Kingdom Hearts 2, but uh, I find the, the floatiness of the characters and being able to kind of uh, really just drift or or float or or glide through the air, that's something that that feels so anime, Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Uh, And I I don't know if that has ever really appealed to me in any way, shape, or form. So I, I will say again, I know a lot of people who love Kingdom Hearts. I don't really think it's for me personally, and I also the the more i just i see of people trying to explain the plot to me the less interested i become in it so i'm i'm just going to leave it at that
1: <laughs> that's a great summary
0: <laughs> but uh moving on from news i guess it's time for us to talk about some games that we've been playing let's do so my week has been a uh, a little bit again hectic but i think i'm finally through through the fire and flames and so now i am gonna be trying to focus on some of my backlog as well as some new stuff too actually i think probably in this next week i do think i'm gonna be picking up dungeon encounters (laughs) so i'm looking forward to to talking about that in the future but let's talk about what we've been playing right now so i guess i'll go first
1: (laughs) go for it yeah
0: i'll start by saying that uh my my current save file on not on Earthborn on Eastward uh, is about I would say six six and a half hours and I would say that probably five and a half of those hours were stuck playing Earthborn in the very first town.
1: Wow, that's incredible.
0: Yeah, well, it it, it sounds impressive, but. I don't necessarily think that it's I I don't think that I had to have played that long, but I I am happy to say that the game or the mini game has legs, which is really exciting. So at this point I have beaten the main campaign of Earthborn. However, as soon as you beat this main campaign, I did mention the first time that I talked about this game that some of the townspeople in the first town are talking about oh there's there's some things that actually happen after you beat the first boss and they kind of set up beating this uh first uh, i shouldn't say first boss the first final boss they they essentially hint at there being a post game and the post game of earthborn is actually surprisingly very different from what i was going to or what i expected Uh, and and that was really exciting so the first time that you play through the game, you are kind of traveling throughout the land and trying to take, uh, or trying to find these castles where, uh, these heroes are living and recruit them so that they can help you defeat the final boss. But when you start up the new game plus, and I, I don't necessarily think I'm spoiling anything here because the game doesn't really have much of a, a thrilling plot. Um, cause it's a mini game, mm-hmm. but, uh, you actually have the opportunity to go back to all of those castles, and now they are under siege from these sorts of mini-bosses. And sort of right off the bat, as soon as I booted up the uh, New Game+, plus, I felt like the enemy encounters were harder, but also the way that the game is structured, again, you only have seven days uh, to kind of complete your run of the game, and these mini-bosses are laying siege to these castles, and so they'll give you about a day of like heads up, essentially, where they'll say, hey, if you don't go to this castle and uh, defeat this mini-boss, they will win the siege and they'll take the castle and then there's no way that you're going to be able to defeat the final boss, so your run will be over. Which is intense. <laughs> that means that you have to do uh, a lot of very specific sorts of, of grinding and and challenges in in order to prepare for that fight and i've only played through the new game plus once and i lost actually against my first boss encounter uh, and i actually think that in the same way that the hero's skills are randomized every time you start a run again they the the castles that are being laid uh, siege upon are also going to be randomized but I'm not entirely certain of that, so I shouldn't make that definitive statement. But I do think that that would add a great deal to the sort of roguelike design of the game. And I don't know if the enemies were harder this time because they're bumping up the difficulty, uh, or uh, if I just got a really, really crappy roll um, of my hero's skills, because there's, there's I think, I want to say like two maybe three variations to how your heroes can be designed um, at the very start of your run. And there, I think that there are some builds for these characters that are objectively superior. And again, I would say that I think I beat the first, well, I beat the original run of the game just by having, like, a really good roll and having all the pieces kind of fall into place. Because I really did not think that I was going to win when I fought the final boss uh, for the first time with this team. But it can really cripple your run, but the the if your heroes have really bad skills, but you can also just immediately restart uh, as well if you do get a bad roll. And I think that's very forgiving in some ways, but it also makes me kind of wonder, like, well, did they really... Like design this all that well if it's something that, uh, you know, your team can really kind of screw you uh, right at the beginning if you don't have a a very good uh, setup or build, right? So that that makes me wonder. But there is one other uh, element of this, uh, of Earthborn, that I find pretty fascinating, and so I'd like to just share it uh, very quickly, uh, and that is there is this weird sort of capsule system. So my question to you, Will, first is, have you ever played The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap?
1: Yes, I have.
0: So you are familiar with the whole like seashell currency that is used to buy those little uh, miniatures of characters? Yes, yes. So there's something very similar in uh, Eastward, where as you're exploring dungeons and as you're sort of going throughout the world, you'll find these... Very specific kinds of currency. They're these little red coins, and you can use them at a at a vending machine. You know, like one of those supermarket uh, <laughs> sorts mm-hmm. of. You know, put in a coin and, and twist. Uh, some some people might be more familiar with like the gotcha uh, setup, but you you put these coins in, and you you get a capsule, and it has a little uh, it has a little miniature inside, and there's you know certain levels of of rarity. That you can get uh, and based on you know what miniatures you you get you can actually scan them into uh, earthborn the mini game and they appear as consumable items in the game
1: whoa that's really cool
0: it is cool but i think you only get to use them once and Mm -hmm. because the currency is so limited you almost like, don't want to use all of your items in a specific run, uh, because if you aren't able to get them back, then you've kind of screwed yourself out of using a potentially very beneficial uh, item. And the other thing about these items, too, is that you can use them once per turn in, in combat, or, you know, even, well, not out on the overworld, because you're not uh, in the middle of turns, but you can use them uh, in combat without any sort of penalty, so you use your item and then your all of your characters also get to take their turn too so that makes them really really powerful but again you always want to ask yourself well do i want to use this during this run where maybe my characters don't have the greatest skills or maybe my run just isn't going very well um, because if if i use them i'm never going to have the opportunity to to utilize these again and I will say that, that some of the items that you can get are kind of uh, garbage. <laughs> you know, some of them end up being, like, the the Earthborn equivalent of, you know, the Pokemon items that are, like, X special defense. Yeah. It, it's essentially that. And, uh, you know, it raises your character's stats in, in a battle to overcome a certain challenge. So those, I feel, are, are pretty easy to, to burn off. But... I, I know that each item that you can get in the game is tied to a specific mi- miniature. And I know that the miniatures that you can get are essentially randomized. So I don't know if they're going to give me an opportunity to get more of these uh, this currency for this capsule system uh, in the future, because as of right now, it's a very limited uh, sort of resource. And the only reason I actually started, or <laughs> the only reason I I, I actually continued playing the base earthbound earthbound god i'm getting my eastward? my titles yes i'm getting my titles so uh <laughs> twisted because eastward reminds me so much of earthbound uh, aesthetically and then it also has a mini game called earthborn in it right so
1: they wanted you to get them confused
0: I, I guess so. But the only reason that I've continued playing Eastward is actually to get more of that currency. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Or I, I don't know if, if that says a whole lot about uh, Eastward as a game.
1: Are you looking forward to playing Eastward more in general? Or you're just more focused on this game within a game at the moment? Or you really just care about Earthborn and like you're like, yes, this is why I'm playing this game?
0: I, it's, that's, that is a great question. Um, and, you know, a part of me for the podcast in particular, (laughs) I'm just, like, super dedicated to playing Earthborn. It's, it's very cute, and the, the challenges that it sets up to me are more tangible than any of the challenges that I've seen in Eastward so far, and I will say that I'm in, like, the second town, the second uh, chapter of Eastward right now, and I... I guess I don't know how I feel about Eastward as a game. Mm -hmm. So at this point in the game, they have introduced this whole idea that you're playing as two characters, and they have very different sorts of skill sets. The older character has a frying pan that is essentially his sword that he whacks people with, and he can use items like bombs and such. So he really is the Linkish character. And then the younger character, Sam, is or has magical abilities. Uh, She can sort of generate energy and fire out this orb that if it hits an enemy, it sort of stuns them, but it can also like illuminate certain areas too. So you have a lot of uh, segments where she's just kind of like exploring places, but you also sometimes have to use these characters in combination with one another, where they'll be in separate rooms and you'll have to hit a switch with one character that opens up the way for the other which is neat, but it's it's very linear, a lot of the puzzle design, and it's not all that involved. Uh, and again, it's really early in the game, so I can't really say, you know, wh- whether or not I think that's how everything is going to go. Uh, but also, Eastward is, at least from what I've seen so far, it's a very, very wordy game, and it's a game that loves to introduce you to its characters, and its characters are very beautifully drawn and and lovingly animated but I don't know how I feel about the quality of the writing and in comparison uh Earthborn is just like very straight and to the point and has some whimsical dialogue in like certain or at certain points but really just lets you play it okay <laughs> and gotcha. uh, and so the dichotomy there is is really stark and so that's why i'm kind of enjoying earthborn the, more than i i am uh, eastward itself
1: interesting i'm curious to hear if you continue eastward how you feel it earthborn fits into it into a bigger experience yeah.
0: well i am curious because there's a lot of characters who talk about earthborn too mm-hmm. and they say like how big of a, a fan they are of the game and like how they have merchandise and, and such and it, it doesn't seem like it's an integral part of the world, mm-hmm. but it does seem like uh, there's a lot of people referencing it and and enjoying it. Um, and there's also in the first town that you that you're in, there's a, a sort of leaderboard um, at the or that you can check while you're playing Earthborn. That shows you the scores of certain individuals and i'm not really sure how the whole scoring system works because also like when when you check the times uh it shows you how long the the person played and then what their score is and the times are like completely fabricated like mm-hmm. i finished uh, i finished a run and it was like oh you played for 42 hours Whoa. <laughs> it's like no that's that's not true at all um but in the first town there's this person whose score is like up at the top and they've got the highest score and so a part of me is like hmm will i meet this person this like mega fan of earthborn at some point
1: which Seems like i think it could be a plot point
0: yeah I, I think the game is trying to telegraph that a great deal but um yeah i don't know uh i definitely will continue to play through uh eastward but it's not the the highest on my list of priorities right now and i really I just, I'm enjoying Earthborn a whole lot more.
1: That's cool. That's a really interesting game, and I'm glad you're playing so you can tell us about it because it doesn't sound like something I would really enjoy play, but it sounds really cool and interesting, and I'm, I'm glad you can tell us about it.
0: Yeah, and I would say it's like, it's scratching a very weird itch for me, which is like something that is very, very traditionally designed mm-hmm. in terms of aesthetics and even like, just its straightforwardness. It reminds me so much of, like, playing Pokemon when it first came out with, like, Red and Blue because the dialogue is very simplistic and you're just kind of going around and, like, doing whatever, you, not necessarily you want to do, but you get a sort of system for how you want to progress and you keep hitting that system and preparing and and facing challenges. And that's just, uh, it, it's, it's, like, I don't know, it's RPG essentials just like boiled down. And that's what's really appealing to me. But cool. uh, enough, about, enough about what I've been uh, playing. Because there is one more game that I do want to talk about uh, and, and I want to gush about actually. But before I get into that, tell me about what you have been playing, Will.
1: Uh, well, my gush this week is about yet another Vita port because you know I can't get away from those. I don't know if I love them or hate them or love to hate them or hate to love them. But I play a lot of them lately. Um, and this one is East Origin. Very cool. Yeah, have you played that?
0: So I, I own East Origin. I actually own, I think the limited run copy of the the game, which came uh, in, a, in a very loving box and has a lovely art book as well and soundtrack too. And I got this because I'm an East fan. but I actually have not played this yet. Uh, so i'm really curious to hear you sort of intro the game for me so that i can get a a sort of feel for what to expect because i'd actually love to start playing this as soon as possible
1: yeah i'm jealous that you have that copy because i prefer physical i wasn't sure if i was an east fan because i'd only played one east game which was east 8 before this and this was kind of like oh i wonder like what uh what else there is in East, and if I really like the games themselves or just this one entry Um, and I had some mixed experiences with it but the the negatives were mostly my fault and I think it's really fun overall and I had a really great time with it overall so what happened and why I say that is because I played it for it's a a short game about 10 hours according to Mm -hmm. how long to beat Uh, and I played for like five hours and then i hit a wall and i just couldn't get past it and there's two characters there's a male and a female character and the male character has like um like kind of a missile like projectile weapon and the female has like an axe and so i played with the male character and i kind of hit a wall and i was like "Uh, oh, i can't i don't think i'm gonna get any farther. i'm gonna drop the game and uh it's taking too much grinding and try the female character so i tried the female character started a new game with her and got it about five minutes in and i was like oh i don't like her combat as much it's just not as fun to me Um, i'm gonna go back to the other one and then i accidentally saved over my first save file oh jeez! so i was like kind of i need a break from the game for a while um so I but then I came back to it I started a new game like I got an itch to play it again and that's the key here I think I was like oh I kind of want to play it again but I don't really want to start over but I'll start over and just play for a few minutes and maybe like the game just gets too hard at a certain point and I'll just enjoy playing through the beginning again and that's good enough for me so I started up again and I found myself like knowing where to go it's this is another interesting thing about it is that i was reading reviews on it before i bought it and i i came across one that said it was more of a metroidvania than anything and i was like intrigued by this and so it was in my head the whole time and it's kind of true because it's all about like you climb this tower and each floor is full of like all these different maze-like areas and then you there's always like some key items that you need to progress so you have to find like the ability to jump or the ability to get through a room um, that has poison in it or something and you need to find that item before you can go through there so that is really the case which is really interesting but anyway what happened is I started over again I was playing again Um, and I just got back to where I had been really quickly, and was having a great time, and then I discovered there was an item, there's an item that you need to use, this is a tip for you Evan, and anyone else who plays the game, that you use to upgrade your weapon, and I had, I thought that collecting it upgraded it, but you actually have to go to the bottom of the tower, and upgrade your weapon to make it stronger, and I had not been doing this, So I was just really underpowered. And there there are overpowered enemies that are red. And you have to beat them to progress through certain areas. And I just could not beat them. Like any attack I did did one damage. And I got through a couple battles of them that way. And I was like, I guess they're just really hard. But then I upgraded (laughs) the item. And I just plowed through them. And the game got so much easier. And so much more fun. And that kind of like effortless ease. Like action fun combat. Um, in this I don't kind of two and a half d world and and it just kind of clicked and everything was really fun and i think that's the way the game is supposed to be and i was just beating my head against the wall for absolutely no reason so i think it is a really great and fun game um and uh don't do what i did if you play it and i think you'll have a great time
0: well thanks for the tips uh that's that's awesome it, it, it sounds like a lot of fun um I you know I've heard again that it is a sort of it's not necessarily traditional East and it's not newer East it kind of falls in the middle Um, and I mean you haven't really played any of the classic East stuff right Mm -hmm. so you can't really speak to that but the combat is action oriented right
1: yes it is and it feels it's really different with uh, the male character who uses it's like this. I think it's got the Eyes of Truth or something like this, his weapon, which is these two floating orbs that shoot missiles. And it reminds me a lot of the um, combat from Neo Automata where you have this kind of bot that flies around or drone and shoots. It's like that, but you have two of those. And it makes the combat totally different uh, than using any kind of melee weapon because it's all ranged. Your attacks are ranged. The enemies are mostly melee um but it's a really different system it makes it feel almost like a bullet hell kind of thing like where you're just like mashing the the trigger and just shooting everything and like running around and dodging enemies attacks as you fire and it's yeah it's it's really different
0: that that does sound pretty cool it reminds me of the orbitars from uh or i think that's what they're called from kid icarus uprising um did you ever play that?
1: I did not, no.
0: Yeah, there there's a specific uh, pair of, of weapons that you can use that just kind of hover around a pit. And that game is already kind of a, a bullet hell. So uh, that that does sound really neat, though. And I do think I'm not necessarily spoiling anything for you uh, if I say this, but there maybe this is something to get you excited for the future. There is a third character and a third play style, too.
1: I heard this. I don't know what it is. Uh, but like when I was, I was Googling to try to read more about how to get past these tough enemies, I kept seeing things about like, when you play through with these these two, you'll get this. And if you play with, through with the third one, you'll unlock an achievement. So I'm curious to maybe dive back into it and find out more.
0: I guess my question is, are, are you finding this to be a uh, a preferable experience to what you've played of Ys of already? Um, I know you talked a little bit about the aesthetics. I feel like this musically is in the vein of other East games. Am I wrong about that?
1: No, you're not wrong about that. The music is fun and upbeat and has a it like it gets you excited to keep attacking and going through this tower.
0: So I, I think the appeal of this game in a lot of ways is the sort of briskness of its pacing, which I feel is the case with like a lot of East games but this being a little little bit more bite-sized, I think gives it that appeal of like you know continuing to go back into it and and having fun with it uh, which I think is I don't know goes back to that conversation that we had previously about shorter RPGs right mm-hmm. where there is something appealing about a, a shorter game if it manages to do everything that it's looking to do in that span of time,
1: right? Totally, and that's actually why I picked this one up now, because I wanted kind of a palate cleanser after playing Tales of Vesperia and looking at all the other games on my list. I was like, I can't dive into another long one. I want to play more East and this one's short, so this is perfect.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually a great uh, approach to things, too. And I, I think, again, for RPG fans, it can be... <laughs> It's a grind, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to uh, to to go through these these bigger games, and so having smaller games to play and to enjoy, and to you know, because there there can still be challenge in these shorter games too, but th- things are often a little bit more straightforward in terms of narrative and in terms of objective too. Uh, you know, your your tutorials aren't usually as long, so. I totally get that. Uh, where where do you think uh, East Origin is is falling in in terms of just overall enjoyment? Uh, is it a is that a hearty recommend? Do you think it's a great int- introductory point to East?
1: I really enjoyed it. I would f- recommend it for anyone who's interested in. It, I would say I wouldn't say like go out of your way if you if it wasn't on your radar maybe, but if it's something you've considered playing and you're in the mood for a shorter RPG, I'd say definitely go for it and but the the thing that kind of threw me off too that i didn't realize was as a new new east fan which i think after playing two east games and loving them both i would consider myself an east fan is that i really wanted to see where east began and this one's called east origin so i was like oh i I thought it was a remake of the first game but it's actually a pre- Cool. I don't know because it came after like it came after E6 I think it, was, it came between 6 and 7 it came out in yeah. 2006 for PC so it's kind of this weird like I don't know what it's doing or why it exists really um, it feels like it feels like a trick almost like it's not the first game and it's not it looks very different than 6 or 7 so it kind of threw off that progression in a way and I don't know why it like it look the visuals are kind of odd to me honestly knowing when it was made because I assumed it was made in like the nineties or something and then they got a fresh coat of paint but it has this very like smoothed over simplistic design on the characters and then this very like polygonal environment design that just really feels like it's of a certain era, like with a retouch like it was a game that came out in 2006 updating a pixel art game is how it feels but it came out in 2006 brand new
0: so i will say in terms of chronology Mm -hmm. right this is the first east game right so this this sets up a lot of east specific sorts of terminology and and setting and again it's important to remember for those uninitiated sorry for those uninitiated right that East is really only a setting in these games in the first and second uh, installments so everything that they're setting up in East origin is an origin for East book one and two and in terms of availability or accessibility of, of those titles you can actually get them very easily and affordably. There's some great anniversary bundles uh, of those games on Steam, um, but there isn't a whole lot of uh, availability of Eastbook Book 1 and 2, or really a, a lot of the older uh, East titles on consoles, and I think that's a shame because, you know, for someone who does want to know more about the series and, and see where it started, that would be obviously a great place to go, and uh, again, I would say that this is this is a bridging uh, sort of style of game in comparison with uh, older East games and newer ones because traditional and when I say traditional, I mean like East Book One and Two. Combat is very very different from even what you're seeing in uh, East Origin or East Eight. So uh, if you were to go even further backwards uh, in terms of Accessing these titles, you would find the the gameplay gets even uh, more simplistic, and I guess maybe East Origin sort of sparks curiosity to go back and and play some of the yeah. uh, older games, but uh, yeah, it, it it isn't really satisfying in terms of of being uh, a start to this narrative because it, it's not even really about Adol, right? Which he he's not featured in it at all, but I think that's Partially because they wanted to tell the story of what happened uh, to East first off.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely does make me more curious about. It's like a kind of a bridge to the earlier games in the series, which is pretty cool. But I think I will like I am curious and I do want to play more East now. But I think I'll go to Nine next because it's easily available. It's the latest entry and I can play it on Switch.
0: Yes. And I will say, I actually just lent uh, a copy of Oh, goodness gracious! I believe it's called East Legacy, maybe, which is a DS remake of East One and Two. I just lent a copy to one of my friends, and I'm hoping to get it back at some point because that's a like a remixed version of East One and Two that was specifically built for DS. Although maybe I think you can play it on. Either PSP or Vita, um, but it's a little bit more in line with, I guess you could say, uh, <laughs> East Origin, uh, just because of when it was released. But uh, might be if you do go back to East Book One and Two, uh, and you're you're bouncing off of the combat, uh, East Legacy might be the the pick for you.
1: Very cool. That one sounds fun. I would love to pick up an east game on ds too if it's not crazy expensive
0: it is crazy expensive okay i assumed it probably (laughs) was but i'll keep an eye out yeah um and that's why i i'm very eager to lend it out to people because i want people to experience this but uh it's it's not the perfect version of uh east one and two in my eyes but it is a novel way to engage with those games The other game that I have been sinking a whole lot of time into uh, is one that I was really excited to get my hands on and uh, I didn't get my hands on right at release because I actually ended up buying a physical copy from PlayAsia, which is uh, a site where you can usually get uh, Japanese imports of games. And it's been really beneficial for picking up some nice collector's uh, editions of things. I have the European collector's edition of Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, uh, which is uh, just a a beautiful uh, sort of collection of items. It's got a soundtrack. uh, It's got a lovely steel book. It's even got oh this uh, vinyl record of, of some of <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles' music, which I have yet to to sink my teeth into, but I'd love to hear that played uh, in some form. But uh, Playasia, in particular, sent me a copy of Metallic Child, uh, which is marketed as a very action-centric uh, rogue light title. And uh, this is made by I believe the, the developer ca- calls himself Studio HG and uh, this is a, a very small development team and they're not really well known for uh, for any other games, uh, I would say. The, the only other game that they uh, that they've released, or at least that is uh, easily accessible is a game called Smashing the Battle, <laughs> which has a very uh, rough translation to, to English clearly. Um, but Smashing the Battle is a sort of mission-based uh, action game that has some RPG elements in it as well, but uh, I would warn anyone who is attempting to access it, it is a very titillating game. Uh, it, it, the, the art and the character designs are uh, made for someone with very particular tastes, is what I'll say. So yeah, the the aesthetics of Smashing the Battle are uh, maybe not for all ages and that that's it's actually surprising to see that that was the previous title that this studio worked on because Metallic Child is really all about very cute uh sorts of characters. <laughs> um the main character that you're playing as her name is Rona, uh which feels a a, a little bit <laughs> strange in the, in these uh, times but she is this adorable little cat-eared uh, robot who is rather coincidentally she is a metallic child uh, and she's on a space station and she is attempting to stop it from essentially colony dropping onto earth which if you're a Gundam fan you know what that means uh, it means that a giant spaceship is going to crash onto earth and pretty much wipe out you know, almost all of uh, Earth's population. So she's on the spaceship, and she's trying to get energy uh, from her sort of metallic siblings, uh, who are who are also metallic uh, children, um, and and sort of redirect uh, the the thrusters on the ship to kind of steer the ship away from uh, the planet, and so. The The design of the game is essentially you, well, I think the, the easiest way to, to describe it really is it's Mega Man-esque in design. So you have a number of challenges uh, set up. You have bosses that you know you will fight at the end of a stage. And you have to go through uh, three sort of randomly generated or uh, procedurally uh, generated f- floors uh, filled with enemies and traps and whatnot uh, in order to get to the boss and defeat them and you know that's pretty uh, standard typical sorts of uh, of roguelike design but the way that metallic child sort of sets itself apart is that it is so action centric so you have light attacks really that are are faster and and more furious. You can hold down the light attack button in order to do charged attacks, and they can sort of break through uh, enemy shields. And there, you you can break through enemy shields in multiple ways. You can also do it by grabbing and throwing an enemy. Uh, And really there's a grab button. So if you manage to pull that off, you can kind of toss uh, the enemy and while you're holding on to the enemy right before you throw them you can sort of point in what direction you want to throw them which is neat because you can either throw them into a wall which stuns them or you can throw them into other enemies too and then you also have a, a skill move which is usually more powerful and it takes up some of your i, I guess you would call it a, a stamina bar um, but your stamina bar is used for both dodging and skill attacks so if you want to be able to dodge things (laughs) you need to keep that energy uh, up and yeah that's that's pretty much it it sounds pretty straightforward that's because it is but it's extremely addicting because the aesthetics are super clean for a very small development team uh, there's a lot of visual polish in how things look and it looks even better than their previous title, which had some very stylistic uh, graphics, but this is, is really even cleaner. And it's also just very addictive because the, the flow and pace of combat is super fast and, uh, and very frenetic. The, the thing that I will say is there are three weapon types. You can either use these sorts of giant gauntlets, uh, you can use a hammer or a sword, but you can only take two of those uh, different weapon types into a run with you. And the one area where I'll say I, I've kind of encountered a hiccup is for specific kinds of boss battles, uh, you really do want to make sure that you're going in with a very uh, specific type of of weapon. Um, of the first three bosses and and runs that I've fought so far, one of them really demanded the use of the sword and shield uh, option, and the... I felt like there was no way that I would be able to to defeat that enemy if I did not have that equipped, and in fact, I didn't have it equipped. Um, but there is a, a roguelike, or a roguelite, I should say, element to this as well. Uh, if you sort of build up currency uh, as, as you're going through your run, you can use it to very slightly uh, increase Rona's stats uh, at the sort of home base, so you can improve her... Uh, You can improve the amount of energy she has for both uh, defensive and skill-based mechanics. But you can also improve the rate at which rare weapons will drop, too, which is really neat because a lot of the weapon uh, designs in the game are are really, really uh, sharp. (laughs) And uh, it's got this great uh, sort of... I don't even want to call it a feature, but every time you pick up uh, a new weapon, uh, the... (laughs) there's, like, voice acting for for when you pick them up, and it's, like, this really metallic voice that, like, shouts out the name of the weapon. And it's not Rona's voice. It's just, like, this weird announcer. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very viscerally satisfying. And that's what I'd say about a lot of this game, is it's so addictive because of how intense and consistent the game is. Um, and with a lot of of roguelikes sometimes you you get into that issue i'm not sure if you had this happen to you while you were playing children of morta will but uh where you'll kind of go to like one edge of the map and you'll hit a dead end and then you have to like retrace your steps which is is never really all that fun
1: yeah totally
0: (laughs) But this game has this really nice system where you can kind of pull up the map if you if you end up you know getting yourself deep into the corner of of one side of the floor, you can pull up the map and you can just sort of uh, fast travel right over to the starting area or really any other room that you want, which is uh, it it adds to the consistency and briskness of the pacing of the game. So, uh, Metallic Child is a delight and. As someone who never really found myself um, vibing with the the sort of uh, roguelike sensibilities, um, I, I never really found that I would enjoy this subgenre all that much. Um, this is hitting all the right notes for me, and it also makes me feel like I'm mastering uh, the, the combat in some ways, which... I'm playing on the difficulty level that is right under normal, because when you first start your game, the, the game, you know, asks you what difficulty level you'd like to play on, and it says that normal is meant to be very challenging, and I kind of wanted an introduction to the combat system and to get my grips on onto things uh, before really cha- uh, challenging myself, but from what I've played so far, I really do feel like this is a game that, I am going to want to get better at and, and really uh, put some time into and and master, uh, which is always a, a great feeling. And so this might be like the game that bridges uh, action games and RPGs for me because it it's it's very satisfying in that skill based uh, sort of of way. So that's all I really have to say about Metallic Child. I'm really enjoying it. And I, again, I would say if this sounds interesting to you at all, I would really strongly recommend taking a look at some of the trailers. It plays exactly how it looks and it looks really gorgeous.
1: That sounds really fun. I'm going to check it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's
1: really neat. And I have to say, when you were talking about the main character, I was like, chuckling each time you mentioned her name in passing it felt really weird but like when you first like called it out I was like oh, okay like that's an unfortunate name but then like just casually dropping it was really funny
0: yeah I know it's <laughs> it's it's very strange and uh, I mean uh, this game has been in development for a, a while and yeah. so you know I feel kind of bad for for the developer having having chosen it and it, it just it seems a little surprising because I don't know if the name is, is meant to be a reference to anything in particular. I mean, Rona is, her her base form is sort of cat themed. Uh, she's just got these like, she's got these pointy feline ears um, on, on top of her head. But aside from that, I don't know if that's supposed to be a reference to anything. So I feel mm-hmm. like they, they could have she could have benefited from from a, from another name but the the last thing that i will say is even from just what i've played of this so far um to go back to that like sort of Mega Man, uh comparison a part of me is like i could easily see this developer making a metallic child two and just like making new bosses and maybe new weapon types and just having this style of combat uh, again, because there, there is, the the foundations are so solid, and uh, that's something that I can't actually say about my feelings towards Mega Man. Um, I've played a lot of mm-hmm. first installments in in that series, and I, I hear a lot of people say things like, "Oh, you know, you should play Mega Man Two or Battle Network Two because that's when they really." that's when they really like mastered the formula and started making like really good content. And uh with Metallic Child, I kind of I see that that promise and um that potential right off the bat. So I'm just really excited to see if this game is successful what what happens with this property in the future.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So what else have you been uh getting into, Will?
1: Uh, just catching up a little bit on the backlog, not not too much else, but I just wanted to very briefly mention that I've been diving back into Digimon Cyber Sleuth a little bit, which I find I play in really short bursts because it's, I don't know, it feels kind of choppy to me because of the, I guess like there's kind of a, it's not a quest board, I forget what it's called, but like in the detective agency you take on new jobs from the board yep. mm-hmm. and uh, I'll do a quest and then I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm good. So I'm not getting very far. But one thing that I thought was interesting, and this has nothing to do with Digimon, but just playing a turn-based RPG after playing um, Tales of Vesperia, it was really interesting because I had this moment where like, I was kind of enjoying not having turn-based battles or random encounters specifically in Vesperia because the monsters are in the overworld there. But in Digimon you do have random encounters and it somehow felt like very stress-free to just know that I I was in the battle and like that it just attacked me and I didn't have to worry about do I engage this monster or do I run past it because it's constantly a decision point in your head when you play a game where monsters are on the overworld and I felt like uh a relief that I didn't have to think about it. And I was like, ah, it just happened. How relaxing, (laughs) which is not normally how you think about random encounters. So I thought that was just kind of a funny experience.
0: Not only that, but, uh, and I I don't know how far you are in the game yet. Um, One of the things that I pushed myself to do really early on when playing Cyber Sleuth was to get a Digimon up to the point where I could force uh, encounters too, which is just a really nice system because... Uh, Especially if you just want to grind things up, or you're looking for a particular kind of Digimon uh, to get scan data for, uh, you can sort of bypass that random element uh, a little bit, which is is really neat. Yeah, so that's that's a skill that uh, that's a field skill that your Digimon can uh, unlock, uh, which is really neat. But uh, I I totally get your your sentiment uh, about Cyber Sleuth. I think the game's quest system is actually kind of uh, a little wonky, and that's because mm-hmm. again, if you if you were playing this on Vita, I think its design could be maybe a little bit more forgivable because it's it feels like a game that is trying to be as economic as it possibly can be with what it has. And so you're finding yourself kind of jumping back into the same dungeons over yes, and over. Yes. And that's what can become a little bit tedious um, or or make you feel like, you know what, I think I'm done <laughs> for now. I don't yeah. really want to go back into that dungeon again and do a different quest.
1: Totally. Yeah. I'm definitely feeling a little fatigue on that. And another thing I just wanted to mention very quickly about that game that I found interesting is that similar to East Origin, I started a new game, um, but just to try out the Hacker's Memory like mm-hmm. sequel or whatever it is. I'm not sure exactly if it's a sequel, but...
0: It's... Uh, I, I believe they market it or at, in the... Even menu, they, they talk about it being a side story. It happens okay. like kind of at the same time.
1: It's like a connected story. But yes. I. It, the, just the way the save system works, I was scared I was going to overrate my data again. But it actually shares a save file, and it's actually really cool the way it does it. I don't know if you've tried that yet.
0: I haven't. Um, and that's because a friend of mine pushed for me to play this game and he said to me like oh the story of the first game is amazing and very engaging and very gripping and the story of the second game is kind of garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't know if i want to get into that just yet but yeah. what what about this uh, shared save system is so neat
1: yeah i just dove in to see what it was like but it uh it actually shares a save file so you'll see your save file will have your character from the first game and like their portrait like normal but then it splits in half and the left side will have the face of the character from the other game and it'll have all the details like how long you've been playing um what chapter you're in on the right and left of the single save file and then you can just hit left or right to select which file you're going to load or save into or Mm. i think it saves automatically both but you can select which one you load to load into them and just jump back and forth and it I think it only actually links like some kind of incidental things like collectibles and things like that. But it's just really cool that it's a save file and the way they did it is pretty interesting.
0: I do believe, too, if you unlock certain Digimon in one of the save files, you can access new evolutions in Ooh, the other. That's cool. So that might be worth uh, sort of bouncing back and forth, too. But yeah. uh, so far, yeah, I, I know how I... I- feel i'm echoing a lot of your sentiments i i love jumping into that game again because i know i've mentioned this before but god that level up sound and even just the victory theme of this game is just so bubbly and it's like if i'm feeling down and i just want to see my digimon's level explode upwards I'll, i'll boot that game up but there are other parts of its design that make it a hard a hard game to return to
1: Yeah, that's definitely true.
0: And did you want to talk uh, briefly about Fantasian?
1: Uh, Yeah, just very briefly. It's another one I've been playing in very small bursts because I play that one only when I don't have my Switch around and I want to play a game and I just have my phone because it's on Apple Arcade. And I just wanted to mention the controls very briefly because I've talked about it before, but I don't think I talked about the controls that much. Um, And I got a controller mount to play Game Pass games on my phone so I wanted to try with that because I didn't love the touch controls for it. They make it feel very point and clicky because that's how it doesn't have like a virtual d-pad or anything. You actually touch where you want the character to go. Right. And then I tried with the controller to see if that helped and I actually hated that way. Like I preferred the (laughs) touchscreen because with the controller there was like a little lag or like delay on the input so you'll like move and then the character moves in a slightly different direction a couple seconds later and it felt really weird and disjointed and I don't know if it's my controller or what but it it felt like it was like I'd hit left and it would go like a little bit to the like a little bit up and left or like it wasn't quite like one to one and that's why I think that was my struggle with the touchscreen controls too because they're built in this diorama world and it tries to like rotate it and I think it tries to help you rotate to see things better but it it really like messes with my brain because like you'll walk down a street and then it'll just like rotate 90 degrees but it's as you're walking it's not like a loading screen or anything and it just kind of but you you have to keep tapping because you'll get to the edge of the screen and you have to tap the next place you want to walk And it'll just keep like rotating and then you'll tap the wrong place because it rotates while you're tapping and it just messes with my brain. But I think it's like, I don't think it's anything that probably throws most people off, but it, for some reason for me, I struggle with that. And then the other piece is the aiming in battle. I preferred with the controller because the aiming system is pretty interesting. Like you select your weapon or skill and you'll see like a line come out where it's gonna go like what enemy it's gonna target and then you can move it like adjust with your finger like slide it up and down a little bit and the arc you'll see the arc adjust as you move it and you can hit multiple enemies that way but like if you if you're like sliding up and down and you release too soon or too late or you move just a hair as you release it's gonna throw off that target and you're going to only hit like one enemy instead of like the four that you had targeted perfectly like you just aligned it so i find that a little frustrating but it doesn't happen that often but when it does i'm like ah i really wanted to hit all the enemies not one Mm.
0: yeah so it sounds to me like there's no perfect control scheme for this
1: no and i I look i would love there to be like a switch version where they just have traditional button controls i think that would solve all of those problems but here we are it's a phone game
0: yeah i wonder because i've played some mobile ports of uh, or i've played some switch games that have been mobile ports and Mm -hmm. i found a lot of the design choices to be really questionable (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I think that sometimes uh, a mobile port can just be because of the the sort of movement that you need to do on a on a mobile screen uh, they can be a lot more slower paced um, which reminds me again of this like sort of camera perspective uh, changing that's happening in Fantasia mm-hmm. you know it it slows the action down a little bit uh in, in some ways and that's just a to, to kind of allow people the time to process things. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, a part of me really wants to play this very badly because I'm a Mistwalker fan, um, but I, I do wonder uh, what so, what a port to consoles would look like and how extensive they would be. Because, you know, no matter what what level of complexity uh, you're bringing to a, a mobile port, it, it is you're still investing a lot of resources into that and uh the amount of change that you want to put into it is probably as little as possible right right yeah so uh i am curious and i'm, I'm hoping that it does come to console soon i'm hoping it's like a limited exclusivity thing but uh, yeah i hope we'll, so too we'll just have to wait and see um okay yeah, well yeah, on that on that bit of a downer to... note <laughs> <laughs> uh let's let's head over, head over to our quests yeah um i feel like i started off uh <laughs> i started off uh, our our new business uh for for this past week but i guess i'm going first for my quest <laughs>
1: uh i think i updated our show notes correctly but i might not have so uh but you you can go first
0: <laughs> yeah sure um, I want to get this out of the way quickly because I don't like this quest, um, <laughs> and I feel like I was cheated out of giving a great answer that was uh, <laughs> that I mentioned last week. Uh, so my quest uh, for this week was number twenty seven um, and just really quickly, for those of us uh, who are are maybe joining on. Uh, on episode 10 for the first time we have a quest board that is a bunch of different topics that we are progressing through Uh, we're taking on these quests based on rolls of our dice and we start at the last number uh, of the quest that we just previously did and wherever we roll is where we land on our next one so that's just a quick overview of how our quest system works Um, but i i rolled for a 27 uh last week and uh, ended up getting an RPG crossed with an unexpected or surprising genre. And, of course, the answer that I would have loved to give you was Indivisible, which is sort of a RPG crossed with a Metroidvania, but also crossed with fighting game mechanics. But I also wouldn't say that Indivisible goes the distance and makes its combat system completely fighting game-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. That's, that's just a... Uh, a minor nitpick that i would would give if that was the game that i was talking about this week but i did have to think about this one a little bit and when i think about unexpected or surprising genres uh, that wording or that verbiage uh, really does make me think about other styles of games that uh, that i don't maybe play as often um, for very particular reasons and so I also, <laughs> I, I think about what what goes well with RPG sensibilities and what doesn't. Um, so, you know, I was maybe sort of leaning towards uh, talking a little bit about Puzzles and Dragons, which is a, a match three uh, sort of uh, game that is crossed with RPG mechanics, but Puzzle Quest also did that too, and I feel like that's not really all that unexpected um, as a genre to to to, to tackle, um, because a number of games have done it already. Um, Will have you ever played any s- sorts of those like puzzle RPGs?
1: Yeah, I played a lot of Puzzle Quest like ages ago on on my flip phone, <laughs> and then also <laughs> a, a Magic the Gathering one. I forget what that one was called. I played a little bit of that.
0: Yeah, and. I mean, I think these are great time waster uh, mm-hmm. sorts of games, but uh, uh, I can't stick with them very long. I actually had to review Puzzle Quest for the Switch, and as I was playing through it, I was like, this is not the sort of game I want to sit down and play on my Switch or on the TV. It's it's It doesn't do it for me. Um, but I can definitely see it working on a phone. Uh, so I had to kind of dig a little bit deeper, but... In digging deeper, I realized that the answer was right in front of me the whole time, uh, because I guess I'm going to talk about a game that I don't like today, and I wanted to avoid talking about a game that I didn't like, because I wanted this to be uh, about the joys of how RPGs can mix with other genres and be very successful. But I can't think of anything right now, so I think I'm just going to settle on Crypt of the Necro Dancer, uh, which is a rogue like rhythm RPG. Uh, so, Will, have you played Crypt of the Necro Dancer at all?
1: Uh, I have not, but I played uh, the demo of Cadence of Hyrule, so I think I have like a, a basic idea of how it works.
0: Yeah, and so to go back to Cadence of Hyrule, right, that is the Zelda themed sort of spin off that the team was able to. Uh, work on in conjunction with Spike Chunsoft, which really makes sense from an aesthetic standpoint because Spike Chunsoft makes great visuals. And Cadence of Hyrule does some stuff that that makes it more Zelda-esque. I think that game is way easier to complete in comparison with Crypt of the Necrodancer, but... Uh, essentially for those who are uninitiated. Um, the Crypt of the Necrodancer gameplay style is that you are going through procedurally generated roguelike maps and killing enemies, picking up gear, progressing to the next floor, but you also need to do this in rhythm. Or I, I guess I should say you don't have to do it in rhythm. <laughs> um Other characters will move only when you do, um, but you need to move on the beat of uh, the song that is playing in the background. And if you continue to move on beat, you sort of generate a, um, a, I I don't want to say a damage multiplier, but I think maybe a sort of currency multiplier. Um, It's actually been a while since I've played the game. But there's a reason for that, which is because I don't think that these two genres work together well at all. Um, I think rhythm games really do uh, pride themselves or they, they thrive best when the pattern recognition that you need to be mindful of is well telegraphed. Because there are certain people who will just perform well at these games because their hand-eye coordination is really strong, um, or they're able to visually process things very quickly. But for those of us who are not so, uh, you know, gifted, you really need to make sure that whatever is in front of you is easily recognizable and, uh, and and that you can approach it or or handle it in in whatever way you. You have to for the for the purposes of of gameplay, and I know that might kind of sound a little bit strange, but the the reason that I say that is every enemy in Crypt of the Necrodancer has different movement patterns, and some of them have additional armor on them, uh, which means that if you hit them, they'll kind of bounce back, but then they'll continue their <laughs> their pre planned uh, movement pattern, uh, and so. That in combination with like certain types of equipment where you can, you know, if you have a spear or perhaps, you know, some sort of longer range sort of weapon, you're able to dispatch foes very easily um, and you don't have to think about rhythm as much because you can just uh, kind of mow them down. Um, but then there, there's other sorts of equipment or weapons that you can do is, use like a rapier, for example, which kind of makes you lunge forward which can put you into a really bad situation and if you're trying to to manage all of that or micromanage that and be aware of how those mechanics are going to work with one another all while trying to be on rhythm at the same time it can just become very mentally uh, overwhelming and i know that some people i know that some people speed run these games and i think that the, the way that you need to approach these games if you want to really maximize your ability to get through them is you can't be making those split-second character design choices. You can't be choosing new weapons because you need to have some sense of consistency in how you're going to be attacking, and you need to know what tactics you're going to be able to use in the game world consistently in order to succeed. And I just feel like all of those choices in combination with the rhythm element don't really work all that well. Um, And I just found it to be uh, overwhelming and not all that fun. And it didn't really inspire me to try to master the game systems because ultimately you're also still playing at the pace that the game wants you to play at, which is with the rhythm and i i f- i found that to be a little bit too tedious at times so i guess my question for you will is what did you think of cadence of High Rule, or does this sort of mashup of genres sound appealing to you
1: i 100% agree with everything you said i think it feel and like i was thinking as you're talking like the there's kind of a disconnect between the genres because in an RPG as we've talked about it a lot of it's about choice and customization and like you can't really do that if you're trying to stick to a beat you're trying to do what the game wants you to do and I felt a real disconnect there where I would often be like trying to hop along to the beat to attack an enemy but then I'd miss the enemy and then I'd be like well what button do I push now like go away and then back to it and then it had moved and like it just did not work for my brain for whatever reason. Like I was not on the beat. Like I could hit buttons to the right pattern, but I could never hit the right buttons that I felt like I should be pushing.
0: Right, and again, pattern recognition is so key. Right, if an enemy is, if you feel like you should be able to hit an enemy because its its movement pattern is predictable, yeah, and then it it just goes off in a different direction. Then that's yep.
1: you've missed kind of. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it's the antithesis of of pattern recognition and there's no reward for that, right? And so sometimes I, I really you have to be really mindful of the space in in which you're moving too, because some of these areas are yep. very tightly organized and that that is that's new elements being layered atop just the basic sort of movement and rhythm based gameplay that, just feels so jarring in a way that I know that there there are videos out there of people playing this at a high level, but I almost, I don't even want to engage in them because I, I don't, that sounds a little small-minded, right? To say like, I don't want to see these sorts of games played at a high level, or maybe the magic of of the game will be lost on me if I see it played at a high level because... If I'm thinking about okay what sort of consistency needs to happen in order to play this game efficiently the the way that I would see it is you either need to play very very safe right and and really stick to sorts of mechanics that you know will be consistently successful which then goes back to like okay well then you're gonna want to keep this as simple as it possibly can be and to me the the joy of rpgs is how complex things can get um which feels at odds with the game design i don't know that's a it's, it's a weird it's a weird sticking point that i have with this uh sort of game and i just know that it's not for me i think that might also be uh the, the reason i'm i'm bouncing off of it so hard but i also was really eager to pick this game up because i wanted to see how this system worked and it just doesn't for me
1: Totally agree. I feel the same. Like it's it's something that I really want to be able to play and enjoy, but it just it doesn't quite work for me.
0: There are some options in Crypt of the dancer too that allow you uh, to use like different characters, and I know that Cadence of Hyrule has that as well. And those different characters have like different sorts of uh, abilities that make things easier or harder, but again like, kind of taking away from the core challenge of the game makes me feel like, okay, well, then I I guess I just don't like playing the base game's mechanics, or I just don't want to engage in them, and that feels kind of not great. Right. So, yeah, that's how I feel about Crypt of the Necrodancer. My apologies uh, to anyone who I might have offended with my... uh, or, or the developers even, uh, with with my hot take, but it just doesn't work for me. But I don't think that it, I don't think that I speak for everyone when I say that. So, Will, why don't you tell us what your quest was all about? And uh, I know that you struggled a little bit with yours as well.
1: Yeah, my quest was thirty three on the board, an RPG that deserves a sequel.
0: T- tell us about your thought
1: process. Well, of course I first Googled it and I wanted to just give a quick shout out to a game that came up on multiple lists of RPGs that deserve sequels, which was our favorite game to give updates on, Secret of Evermore. Um, I don't really know why <laughs> gonna it happen. deserves a sequel, but it was on some lists. So I'd like to learn more about it one day.
0: It, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Um, so, but I, yeah, I put some thought into it, thought about some different games and a lot of games that I like are part of franchises like final fantasy. And I'm like, well, you could technically do a sequel to any of those games, but, um, I don't know. It didn't feel quite right. Um, and a lot of them have spun off in so many ways. I don't think we need to have more convoluted sequels. (laughs) So, but then I did think of another game that is part of a series that I deserves a sequel and that is mass effect andromeda okay and i picked that one because it's one of my favorite game franchises mass effect and the first trilogy did have sequels but then this one i don't it got a really lukewarm reception but i don't understand why because it was more of everything that i loved about the first trilogy and It created a whole new galaxy to explore, new alien life forms, all this huge, crazy, cool potential. And then uh, it just kind of went dark and I wanted more. I wanted a new set of a new trilogy of Mass Effect games. Did you play um, any Mass Effect games and or that one, Evan?
0: I have not played any Mass Effect games, and (laughs) I I wish that I could say the opposite. Um, But I also think, again, as a Nintendo fan and as an owner of Nintendo Mm -hmm. hardware, it's always just kind of passed me by. The Wii U received a Mass Effect 3 port while everyone else... Yes, while everyone else got a Mass Effect uh, compilation, and I, I felt like that was really sucky
1: <laughs> yeah that is very um, strange
0: so i i do wish that this series would come to nintendo platforms uh, in earnest so that i could engage with it because there are some ideas there that make me that make me really want to play it but uh you you've mentioned that mechanics are you know from the original trilogy are expanded upon in andromeda i mean i know andromeda is is i think structurally a, a different sort of game from from the original trilogy am i wrong in saying that
1: uh, it feels a little bit more open yeah um, it the bones are very similar but it's just more and bigger and better in what you'd expect from next gen which it's not really next gen anymore but at the time it was like introducing the series to a new generation of consoles
0: yeah um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons that this game got a lu- lukewarm response when it first came out was that it was really buggy. And I think that's a shame because, I mean, we have dealt with and continue to deal with uh, bugs in games like Skyrim <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to this to this day, no matter what system it's ported onto. <laughs> so, I don't know, that, that just kind of surprises me uh, to see that that is the case. But I think that people i don't know it 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 feels really sad to say this but i think a lot of people are almost looking for a reason to rag on on bioware and their uh, their you know relationship with ea uh, be, because not a lot of people are, are fond of, of ea uh, in some ways but what specifically makes you want to have a sequel to andromeda
1: uh, for one, I just want to spend more time in that universe. And two, I think it did kind of reimagine that whole franchise in a new way. And it set up for lots of cool potential. I want to see where it could go and visit more parts of the galaxy. And also what I think would be really cool is if it maybe wasn't just like okay we had Andromeda and now we explore Andromeda more but what if we went to another galaxy as a sequel and the, this franchise just kind of expanded after that and like each game was taking it bigger and bigger or maybe it was like an entire um, section of the universe where you could travel between galaxies I just wanted to get bigger and see more crazy stuff
0: yeah that that does sound really exciting. And again, with something that is I don't want to say I, I think that the promise of mass effect is is very appealing. And because it was a a world <laughs> or a, a universe, a lore that was developed specifically for this medium, mm-hmm. we want to return to it because it 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 makes sense to return to it right um because it's it is beloved for being a, a video game universe um but you know i i also wonder uh, to to what extent bioware or just people in general are willing to expand upon this because i know that the original trilogy uh had a lot of of promise but ultimately ended up being very much just about the the, the plotline of the the Reapers and the relationship that uh, that Shepard had with that uh, overall plotline, and you know, I, I don't know if Andromeda introduced new sorts of f- folds or, or, it does, or narr- it does. narrative twists. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's then that is another reason, yes, that uh, that I would I would want to see this expanded upon.
1: Yeah I think it has a a long way to go and like you said like it is like a video game universe and there's nothing else quite like it and I as a sci-fi fan really enjoy seeing this unique universe because a lot of other sci-fi games I feel like are very derivative in terms of their settings like I think we talked about a little bit a while back outer worlds and games like this where you kind of see this world that you expected to see and the alien life forms you expected to see but this gives it to you in a different way that i don't think anything else quite does so that's why i think it really deserves a sequel and it deserves a space in video games because we don't that's the only way we're getting that exact kind of sci-fi like epic sci-fi world that i think a lot of people really want
0: yeah i i totally get that and i I think it's a shame that, uh, what was it, Anthem kind of crashed mm. and burned the way yeah. it did, because that, that might make people think, well, maybe we don't want a sci-fi RPG like this. Um, and maybe we don't want a sci-fi RPG like Anthem. yeah <laughs> But maybe there is still something appealing about, um, about Mass Effect and about that universe uh, that, that's worth exploring. And I know that I think the, the current um, area of focus right now is on Dragon Age and returning to mm-hmm. that world. Yep. Um, and there's a lot to say, uh, there's a lot that we could say that, that Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age have in common, right? They, yes. they are specifically worlds that were created for the video game space. And that's why I think people, that's why they're so beloved in in that particular way. So hopefully if, uh, this next dragon age title does well, that will give them a reason to want to come back to mass effect again, because it's, it's, it really is too lucrative a prospect for them to, to, to miss out on. If that makes
1: sense. Yeah. It just makes sense.
0: I can understand that. (laughs) Um, that's, that's an interesting, uh, perspective to take, uh, regarding sequels. You know, the, the reason or the the approach that I often take with analyzing sequels or the the potential of a sequel is how can this gameplay be expanded upon um, so to hear it from a story based uh, perspective I mean that's an integral part of RPG's period so I, I totally get that and i I'm glad that we have that perspective on this podcast
1: thank you I'm glad we have uh, your Perspective as well, Evan. Oh,
0: well, well, thank you. Should but... we
1: move on to our new quests?
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, now that we have finished our, our 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 current quests, let's let's move forward. Uh, I think it's it's your turn to roll first, sir. Do yes. you have your dice ready?
1: I do. Um, I'm on number thirty-three, so I'll give Dicey a roll here. Three okay the best rpg in a series okay i feel like this one was made for me
0: okay well i this could be a very uh controversial uh quest topic certainly (laughs)
1: feels like it was made for controversy actually
0: yes but uh you're gonna have to back up those those thoughts uh with with a whole lot of reasoning and and logic you'll
1: have to put together a powerpoint presentation and attach it to the episode
0: Okay, yeah, definitely. I'm down for that. Um, And I am at 27 right now. I'm really hoping that I can uh, push over into my enemy encounter, but let's see how things go. Let's get you there. Oh, I got a 5. So that means I am stopping on 30, and I am going to be playing an RPG on an older piece of hardware or an old console. Really excited about this. I've had some ideas about what I'm going to do for this. And I don't know. Uh I might I might be rethinking this uh in real time right now because there's a couple of of opportunities that I am uh that I'm currently considering, but uh, I'm hoping that I will thrill you all with my choice next week.
1: Excellent, excellent. So with that
0: being said, I guess we'll head on into our plugs. Uh Actually, I think I did plugs last week. Well, why don't you take it away?
1: <laughs> I can go ahead and take that away.
0: Uh, our 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 system is falling apart in episode ten. Oh no. Yeah. No, it's uh it's fine. Um yeah, take it away.
1: Yeah, so uh as always we'd love to hear from you and what you think of this episode of our quests. If you have ideas for future quests or wanna weigh in on with your ideas, you can always reach us at RPG PodQuest on Twitter and also at rpgpodquest at gmail.com by email as well to send us your ideas. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can find me, Will, on Twitter at CosmicXLibrary. Evan, where can they find you?
0: You can find me at RPGSEB. And if you're listening uh, to this podcast uh, while we are in the month of October, uh, right now I will st- just say I am currently uh, working on my Inktober uh, prompts. So every day I've been trying to draw something new. And while it hasn't really been in the realm of RPG stuff, that might be something that I expand upon as I continue through the month. So we'll see if I, if I have any RPG content to share with you all
1: awesome i've seen some of the stuff you've put together already it has been super cool so i'm excited to see what else you make
0: yeah thanks thank you very much but uh with all of that being said will i think we are we are, are ready to head off on onto our next quest
1: here we go onward and upward again
0: <laughs> all right well see you around everybody
1: see you around <laughs>